Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. Come on, just lift your voice right now. Lift up your own praise, your own song to Him. You are worthy, Jesus. Oh, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. You are worthy. No one like you, Jesus. Come on, give Him praise. Give Him worship. You are worthy, Jesus. You are so worthy. You're worthy of a song, God. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of a moment of just fixing our eyes on your beautiful face this morning. We love your presence, God. We love when you come. We love what you do. We love who you are. We're so thankful for you, Jesus. We're so thankful for your mercy, for your grace on our lives. Come on, are you thankful today? Are you thankful today for what he's brought you through? Are you thankful today for how he set you free? We love you, Jesus. Man, thank you guys so much for that. I've missed this. <laughs> if you haven't known, me and my family have been out for a while, up four weeks or so. And um, man, I'm just so glad to be back in this house this morning. Um, Pastor Mark. I'm going to introduce Pastor Mark Benson in just a minute. He's going to be bringing the word, but uh, he just whispered in my ear, I love the worship in this house. He said, it just makes it just makes you ready to preach. And I get to experience that every single week. And you forget it when you're away from it for a while. You forget how good how good we've got it. Just not not just the talent, not but just the heart and the seeking after Jesus first. It's a big deal, guys. So um, I'm just thankful for your hearts and how you, not only how these guys lead us, but how you lead too. And so um, I got a few things to talk about this morning uh, before I give it over to Pastor Mark. First of all, thank you guys for who you've been to us during these few weeks and how you've loved us and how you've prayed for us and how you've cared for us. Uh, we've, we've never felt love and care like that before in our lives, honestly. And I know you were told, don't call and don't text them. Some of you just love me too much. <laughs> but I appreciate it. And uh, and we we love you guys so much. I can't, there's not, there are no words. And so we're just so thankful for understanding and allowing us to have a few weeks just to focus on our family and just, uh, just to kind of just take a rest, take a break. Come on, you need a break too, okay? Everybody does. So um, I'm, I'm really thankful for our elders, our board, our lead team, our community leaders, our whole serve team. All you guys have just led so well um, in our absence, and we're so thankful for you. And, um, and while we're at it, I do want to honor our community leaders because this is our last, this is the end of the semester of our groups. And so I don't know how many of you guys are here today, but I just want to shout out Stephen and Ansley Beatty, our Ardsley Park community. And our Christian and Addison Jay and our downtown community, Tim and Mackenzie Burnsett, Effingham, up in the northern regions, Alan and Sarah Cantrell of the Georgetown community, Jacob and Grace Groves in Midtown, Josiah and Emily Frederick in Pooler, Jason and Brandy Kiefer in Pooler, Dorsey and Rachel West in Pooler. Ian and Lisa Foote and Jamin Mays right here in the warehouse, West Savannah. And then Gretchen and George Perez in our island community, as, long, as well as Daniela uh, leading that group. You guys have done an amazing job. Have you, and have you enjoyed communities this semester? Are you thankful for your leaders? Let's give them one more round of applause and thank them for who they are and what they've done this semester. All right. So I'm excited about the word today. I, one of the privileges uh, that we have as a house is that everything just doesn't rise and fall on one guy. That we have leaders in this house that make it happen, pastors in this house to, to shepherd us so well. And we also have pastors outside of the house that shepherd us well. And you've got to meet Eric a couple weeks ago. Um, and time out. This girl rocked it last week. Let's just go ahead and acknowledge that. But... 
Pastor Eric uh, came and preached two weeks ago. He's an overseer in Alabama. And also uh, David Weir is one of our overseers. And he's going to show up later on, maybe this year. But uh, Pastor Mark Benson is here this morning. He's one of our overseers. He and his wife, Michelle, um, are in, from Dothan, Alabama, where they lead a church there. And I met these guys several years ago. They've walked with us since before we launched the church. This is one of my pastors. And I love these guys to death. They love you to death. That's why he's here today. And so let's give it up for Mark Benson. Make him feel welcome this morning. Go ahead and be seated. I love you, buddy. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I get to be here. I am so excited to be here today. And um, I was thankful that the rain came after my landing in Savannah. And hopefully it'll be gone before I take back off to go back home. But I got to tell you, I love your pastors. Can you take a moment and just give a huge round of applause to your pastors? Pastors Gunter and Bethany, we love you so much. And what a joy it is to be in this house today. And uh, if you were with us, man, it was almost about nine, ten months ago when we were here with you last. And one of the things that I love to do, I love the Word of God. And um, so the way I like to open up every time I get to preach for the last 30 years, is I have the congregation just repeat something out loud after me as a declaration of the, what the Word of God is to us. So if you would just grab your copy of God's Word, turn on your cell phone or tablet PC or whatever you got the Bible in today, grab your copy of God's Word, say this with me, say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor next to you and say, neighbor, you look pretty good today even though you look rained on a little bit. That's all right, you look just fine. I did hear a story one time about a girl that, uh, a little Catholic girl that went to uh, her priest for confessional and, and uh, she said, I struggle with this sin and I need to confess it. He said, well, what is it, my dear? And he said, I just, I, I look every day in the mirror about 10 times a day and I just gaze at myself in the mirror and I say, you are the most beautiful woman in all of the world. You're the most beautiful girl in all the whole wide world. And the, the priest kind of took a, a look real closely, tried to look through to see if you could see her clearly. And, uh, and, and he said, dear, that's not struggling with the sin of vanity. That, that's astigmatism. <laughs> you know, astigmatism is when you can't see too well. Anyway, I'm just saying, you know, some of us, we, we don't see ourselves properly. And I get that we probably, most of us don't lean into the sin of vanity. Most of us probably don't lean there. Matter of fact, most of us lean onto the other side of it where we struggle with who we are, we look in the mirror and, and uh, statistics say that if you look at yourself for seven seconds, either on your cell phone, you know how you can turn, flip the camera around and see yourself, or in the mirror, if you look for seven seconds, it says statistically you will look at and try to look at all those things that you wish you could change. And so today, I, I want you to see yourself as God sees you. I want you to see yourself as a, a, a kingdom builder, God's kingdom, not your kingdom, not my kingdom, not this church's kingdom, God's kingdom, that we are going to be kingdom builders. And I want to talk to you today in this message titled, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to make a difference in the world. And, and I want to stop right here and just talk real quick to the community 
group leaders, those of you that are here that have served over this past semester, we're so thankful for you. The, the church is not built, as Pastor Gunter said, on a personality or on one person or just a pastor, but it's literally built on leaders that go uh, deep into the heart of this community and represent the love of Jesus Christ. And these community leaders, we gave them a, a shout out, we gave them a hand clap, and I think that's awesome, and there's so much more we could say about them. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Pastor Gunner said to me last night as we were talking about the community groups, that there are times as a pastor that he finds out about a need after the need has already been met by the community leaders. And I said, man, that is the, that's the heart of the kingdom of God. That's the true church. And I want to say, even though I'm so proud of each one of these community group leaders, I want you to know and understand about them. And I don't know them all personally, and I don't know them all well, but I can just tell you, they are not super Christians, the super perfect ones, the ones that never make any mistakes. They don't all have theology degrees and doctrines uh, 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 all down and have the Bible memorized from cover to cover. They're just simply willing to be used by God. And you need to know that God wants to use you and your sphere of influence to make a difference in this world. And I want to help you try to find that thrill, the thrill of being used by God. If you don't know what it's like to ever be used by God, oh, you're missing out. It's the greatest joy in the whole wide world. And, and in the, the process of that, some people just have this idea that, they have to somehow have the right education or they have to have all the right, uh, the words to say to make a difference. They think they have to be perfect. And I, friends, I'm, I'm here to dispel that myth. I'm here to tell you God shaped you to serve. He created you to contribute and God wants to use you. I want you to look at Romans chapter 6 with me for just one moment. Romans chapter 6 verse 13 here is how you are able to be used by God. It says, give yourselves completely to God. Everybody say completely to God. <laughs> Every part of you, you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purpose. See, the problem is that some people secretly fear that they can't be used by God. They, they look at this one person that's used by God and they go, wow, they've got great talent. They look at this person over here, they go, wow, this person has great giftings, great ability. This person has a great speaking gift. Or they see this other person, they have a wonderful gift of hospitality and they're just so warm and so friendly and so welcoming. And they go, I'm just not like her. Or I'm not like him or I'm not like them. I just don't have what it takes. And they fear secretly that they can't be used by God. And some people feel either disqualified or unqualified. They feel simply that either they're disqualified because of their past sins or I don't have my whole life together. I'm not perfect like everybody else. I make all kinds of mistakes. If anybody knew what I struggled with, I would be disqualified. There's no way God could use me. Other people feel unqualified, like I don't have her talents, I don't have his gifts, I don't have their ability, therefore I cannot be used. I don't have the education or the background or the experiences. You just don't know, I am unqualified. And friends, can I just tell you, God wants to use you. You are not unqualified and you are not disqualified. Matter of fact, when you look at the, the, the Apostle Paul, arguably throughout biblical history, one of the greatest Christians of all time, one of the ones that made the greatest difference in all the world, you'd realize, man, if God could use somebody like the Apostle Paul, he can use me. The Apostle Paul almost single-handedly spread Christianity across the Roman Empire. He was an amazing guy, planted churches, wrote uh, by, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit half the New Testament so when you look at this guy, you think, man, this guy's been used by God. He must have been perfect. But in order to fulfill your purpose, to really make a difference in this world, there's a couple things you got to start with. You first got to realize it's not all about you, right? You got to function in humility. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 gives us a picture of this. It says it like this in chapter 4, verse 5. Uh, and by the way, he's writing, the Apostle Paul is writing now to uh, the Corinthians. It's 2 Corinthians, but it'd be no different if he was writing to us 
in Savannah, he'd call it the second Savannans or something. You know, I mean, he's writing to this church in Corinth, and here's what he says is, our message is not about ourselves. It is about Jesus Christ. Everybody say, it's about Jesus Christ. All right. It says, he is Lord, and as Lord, we are merely the servants or your servants for Jesus' sake. Matter of fact, he uses that phrase over and over again, for Jesus' sake, for Jesus' sake. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. And that's, by the way, the exact opposite of what this culture screams at you. That is such a counterculture idea that it's, you know, every advertising agency says it's all about you, right? It's all about you. It's what you want. It's what you think. It's what you feel. It's all about you. And what God is trying to say is it's not about you. It's about him. And, And I realize that in our culture today, you know, even the idea of taking a self E with your I phone. Think about the, 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 like the self-centeredness, the narcissism that we have in our society, that it's all about us. It's all about us. It's how many followers that we have. Friends, we are not the center of the universe. God is the center of the universe. And listen, I, I can say it like this. God is is certainly interested in what you do, but he's also interested in why you do what you do. He's not just interested in your methodology. Uh, 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 he's also interested in your motivation. We have a lot of wonderful Christians that uh, have come to know Jesus as their personal savior, have come to faith. And as new believers, not because they're being coerced or anything like that, but they just feel a sense of desire to be used by God. And so they want to serve in a particular area of ministry in some way. They want to be on the greeter team or they want to serve as an usher or they want to serve in the parking lot ministry or the children's ministry or whatever. And it's awesome. And it's amazing to watch these new believers that aren't being told you must do this, but they just feel compelled. Like I got to do something. I got to make a difference. God's changed my life. I want to help other people. And it's amazing, but it's also amazing to watch the shift over time as they start to see all the benefits of being used by God, that all of a sudden they, they go from the desire of wanting to please God to they start to hear the approval and the attention and the applause and they stop doing things for God and they start doing things for themselves. And the Apostle Paul's trying to help them avoid that. Listen, friends, I want you to know, and I, I know enough about this church to, to be able to say this. There are no super Christians in this house. There are no superstars in this house. We are all level at the foot of the cross. We're just serving Jesus Christ, giving him our all for him, not for the approval or the applause of others. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says it like this, talking about who we are in Christ. It says, we are like clay jars. Everybody say clay jars. <laughs> Clay jars in which this treasure is stored. What's that treasure we're talking about? He's talking about God in us or the Holy Spirit inside of us. And it says the real power comes from God and not from us. So the fact is we are just clay pots that God puts his treasure and his power in. The real power is from God and not us. Now what happens if you drop a clay pot? (laughs) Right, it breaks or it cracks, right? We've all been dropped, a few times in life, right? This, by the way, this place, this, this world that we live in, it's not heaven, okay? I, I know I'm just giving you something you've already known before. This ain't heaven yet, right? We're still on earth. There's still problems and flaws and we still get hurt and we go through pain and we go through crisis and we go through issues and we face problems on the day-to-day, right? We walk through all kinds of trouble in this lifetime. We're not yet in heaven. So while we're yet here on earth, we got some trouble and people have dropped us. And when we get dropped, there's cracks. Friend, just turn to your neighbor and say, you are a cracked pot. I'm just saying, you are a cracked pot. (laughs) You are... You ain't nothing but a cracked pot, boy. (laughs) We are all flawed. We're broken. But you know what? Let me tell you something that's great about this is God's light shines best through the cracks. The cracks in your life, God shines best through the flaws and the issues of life. That's where the glory of God shines out. And I've learned through years of ministry, almost 30 years now of full-time ministry, that God does want to use your strengths and my strengths, 
but I truly believe that God often uses our weaknesses to a greater degree because we're putting it in his hands saying, God, you know I don't know how to do this, but Lord, you do. God, you know you can do this. I know I can't. So God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You know, when we share our strengths with people, how great we are, how perfect we are, how awesome we are, we put on the plastic smile and the, the plastic Christian mask to try to look like we're better or, than we really are and doing better. And we put the 50 filters on our Instagram post to make sure everybody thinks that everything's perfect, that nothing's ever gone wrong in our lives. And we, we, we try to put out this little game like we're so perfect, but friends, can I just tell you, Often people can resent you or feel jealous of you or intimidated by you because they presume that God uses you because you're so gifted and so perfect. But friends, on the other hand, when you share your weaknesses, your pain, your struggle, when you're real about what is happening in your life, do you know God shines through that weakness and it actually draws people closer to you and closer to God. Friends, God has always used flawed people, always. Throughout all history, and especially if you look through biblical history, you will find God always uses flawed people. There's been seasons in my life, especially earlier on in ministry, where I, I didn't want to acknowledge my weaknesses. As a matter of fact, I tried to hide them, didn't want anybody to know about them. About a month ago, I revealed publicly for the first time that I had a significant weakness as a pastor. And the reason that I never acknowledged it and secretly was afraid that people would find out about it was because I thought that they would think that I'm bad and that I wouldn't be of benefit to them. But here has been my issue ever since I was a little boy is I cannot remember names I could stand up here and literally I could talk for a half hour to an hour and I could have eight to 10 pages of notes and I have no problem talking. I will not run out of words, but ask me to tell you your name and it's a train wreck. Now you think, well, hey, you know, you're just getting older. You're probably, you know, not doing as good because you're a little bit older. Or, oh, oh I, I get that because every once in a while I forget a few names. No, I'm talking about, listen, since I was a little boy, I had to come up with nicknames for my best friends because I could not remember their names. I've not been clinically diagnosed, but it's something called anomic aphasia where you've got the ability to communicate with lots of great words, but, but it's almost like I'm an iPhone. Like I got good facial recognition, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know how that happens, but, but try to tell me like your friend, your best friend's cell phone number right now. You know, you, you probably most of you could not think of it because you got it locked into the phone. And so I struggled with this as a pastor. This is like the worst thing you can deal, one of the worst things you can deal with. Why? Because as a pastor, if you call out somebody's name, the thing that makes them feel the best, they feel recognized and valued, and you can't do it, and you're looking at them in the face, and you're like, I've known you for 10 years, and I cannot tell you your name. I mean, sometimes I forget my kids' names. I forget my wife's names. I look at my wife and I go, hey, beautiful. I, I mean, I can't remember her name, but she's beautiful. So I'm like, hey, she's like, as long as you can't remember another girl's name, I'm fine with that, you know. I'm just saying, like, listen, I, the, the, for the, listen, listen, for almost, I'm, I'm 51 years old. For almost 51 straight years, I've never shared that publicly. And for the first time, like 30 days ago, I shared with the, with this with the congregation. And I was finally willing to admit this flaw. And the reason that I didn't want to tell anybody, because I thought, hey, all these other great pastors that I know from all around the place, they know names and they're really good at this. And they love people well, so maybe I'm not a good pastor because I'm just not good in this area. And friends, can I just tell you, all of these weaknesses that you may struggle with, these challenges you may face, let me just tell you, everyone has great strengths and great weaknesses. And listen, they don't cancel each other out. The willingness to be honest in humility. Humility is not denying your strengths. It's being honest about your weaknesses. But friends, God cannot use prideful people. God only uses humble people. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. We say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So if it's not about me, and it's not about you, then who is it about? Well, we know it's all about God. It's about God. 
2 Corinthians 4.1, let's go back to there. It says this, Apostle Paul says it like this. It's God himself and his mercy has given us this wonderful work of telling the good news to others. And so we will never give up. Turn to your neighbor and say, never give up. Never give up. Now, people misunderstand the word ministry when, when it's used here. They think ministers minister. Preachers are the ministers. Pastors are the ministers. Let me tell you something. You may not be called to be a pastor or a preacher, but you're called to be a minister. If you are a Christian in this house, if God's given you breath in your lungs and talents, gifts, and abilities to be used by him, when you are using those gifts, talents, and abilities for God's kingdom, God's glory, to love people on behalf of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, that is a ministry. And you are a minister in this house. As you're being used by God, you're a minister. And not just the things that you do in church. I'm talking about the ways you serve this community, the way you love people well on behalf of Jesus Christ. It makes you a minister. Whether you're a school teacher, a business owner, or whoever, listen, you serve God best when you serve others. God in his mercy, it says, has given us this work to do. We've been created to make a contribution, not to just take up space. And by the way, let me just stop and say this little, little pause here. I'm not saying you work so that God will love you more, okay? You don't earn God's love. He loves you with an everlasting love. And, and, and if you put all your emphasis on works that somehow you think that's going to make you a better person and get you closer to God, can I just tell you, you get close to God by connecting to your creator. He, he wants a relationship with you. So it's not, by, it's not by works that you were saved. It's by grace that you were saved through faith. That's, that's the reason that is. So none of us could boast about it. Like, you're not getting to heaven because of your good works, friends. You're getting there because of God's grace, his love, his mercy that was carried down from heaven to you on a cruel cross. He took your shame and your pain. Some of us, we get, get to wallowing in our own mistakes. We think, well, you know, I'm down now. I might as well stay down. Let me tell you, the Bible says, though the righteous have fallen seven times. Now, wait a minute. If you're righteous, how do you fall? I thought if you're righteous, you don't fall. The Bible says if, you, if you're righteous, even the righteous fall, even though they fall seven times, they get back up again. Friends, those of you that may be wallowing, <laughs> what are you waiting for, man? Get back up. Let this church help you to grow in your faith. And the Bible talks about the repentance is literally this. It's a word picture. It's here's God and you're walking towards your sin, right? And all those things that you're doing wrong. And repentance is when you stop, and you turn, and you turn your back on sin, and you walk back toward God. That's repentance. God doesn't want you to get stuck in your past. Mark, you don't know about my past. You don't know all the things I've done wrong. You have no idea. Your friends, I, I don't know what you've done wrong, but let me tell you, God can still use you. If you'll repent and turn, God will use you. Do you have any idea who the Apostle Paul was before he became a pastor and a preacher and a church planter. Do you know he was an anti-Christian terrorist? He literally was a Christian killer. The exact opposite of what you would expect God to ever be able to use. I'm gonna read to you a few passages. Uh, the, the book of uh, 1 Timothy, it says it like this. He's talking to, Paul is talking to this young pastor named Timothy, his young son in the faith. And he says this, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who gave me strength because here it is, he trusted me. Everybody say, he trusted me. He trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. Friends, God trusts you. You trust in God? Great. God is trusting in you to make a difference. 1 Timothy chapter 13, it goes on to, uh, chapter 1, verse 13, it goes on to say this in that very next verse. He says, even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ, I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. And then he goes on to say, I was the worst sinner of them all. And you thought your spouse was the worst sinner of them all. The apostle Paul says, I was the worst of the worst, man. Galatians chapter one, if you think this was just a one-time event where he was maybe using hyperbole when he was talking to Timothy, now look at Galatians chapter one. 
Galatians chapter one, verses 13 and 15, he goes on to say this, the apostle Paul says about himself, you know what I was like, talking about before I followed Christ, how I went after Christians mercilessly, hunting them down and doing my best to get rid of all of them. But then something happened. For even before I was born, God had chosen me to be his and called me. What kindness and grace. How many thank God for the grace and kindness of God who took you out of your worst issues, your worst sin, your worst pain and crisis, and God set you free. And by his grace, we can now be used by God. God, Paul is saying here, uh, amid all my mistakes, God still chose me and called me. And the same, friends, is true for you today. You've been called and chosen by God, shaped for service, created to contribute. Your past does not disqualify you. Friends, your past does not disqualify you from serving God or being used by God. God says, in spite of all that you've done, even though you're broken, I will shine my glory through your brokenness. Well, think about it like this. If God only used perfect people, nothing in this world would ever be done for God, right? There's never been a perfect person except Jesus Christ himself. God only uses flawed, broken, sinful people who don't have it all together. All the good that gets done in this world is done by less than perfect people. And God created you. He loves you. He has saved you to serve him and to serve this world and to be used to change this world. Let me give you an example of just a handful of people that God used that had an excuse not to be used by him. In the Old Testament, Abraham. Abraham was too old. God used him at 100 years old. Josiah. He was too young. He was eight years old when he became king of Judah. Jacob was a chronic liar, but God still used him. Leah was unattractive. God still used her. Joseph was abused. Gideon was poor. Samson was a reckless codependent. Rahab, listen, was a prostitute, y'all. Yet Rahab is in the God's hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. Jonah was fearful and reluctant. Elijah was suicidal. Naomi was an elderly widow. Jeremiah dealt with chronic depression. David had an affair and then had his, his mistress husband killed. I'm not going to ask how, for a show of hands how many of you have done that before, but I'm just saying God can still use you. In the New Testament, God used somebody like John the Baptist, an eccentric to say the least, eating locusts and honey for breakfast. Come on, somebody. Peter was impulsive, had serious anger management issues. Right? Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus had been unethical. He'd been a scam artist. Thomas had doubts. Timothy was timid. And Paul was a murderer. And God used them all. Friends, what's your excuse? <laughs> What's your excuse? God used all these people. You can still be used by God. Every saint has had a past. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard. God says I don't, it doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. What matters is have you turned your life to him so he can use you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says it like this. It is God himself who made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned, everybody say God planned. He planned that we should spend our lives in helping others. Friends, that's your ministry to use your talents, gifts, and abilities to help others. That's what God planned in advance for you to do to make a difference in this world. And if the keyboardist would come as we kind of close this thing out, if it's not about me and it is about God, the last thing we need to realize is it's about eternity. It's not just about this life. My parents taught me something very significant when I was young. Ever since I was little till the time, literally even over this past week, we talked about this. When I would get upset, when I would get frustrated, especially as a kid, you know, kids have issues in, you know, elementary school and middle school and high school and 
I'd come home all upset and frustrated because I was dealing with this or dealing with that or this girl didn't like me or this friend of mine was mean to me or whatever. And they would come home. I'd come home all upset and my mom would look at me and lovingly after she'd hug me and tell me it's going to be okay, she'd look me in the eyes and she'd say, son, in the light of eternity, what does it really matter? In the light of eternity. And friends, so many of us don't realize that this life is so short. I mean, you go to any one of the uh, cemeteries around this area, and there's a lot of historic sites, a lot of uh, historic cemeteries. My wife and I, the last time we were here, we walked through some of those cemeteries, and we, we saw these, I'm talking about from like the, the 1800s. It's, it's amazing, like the history and I, I, you know, just begin to think about their life. And there's a few words written on there about maybe their life or some of the things that they'd done. But almost every single one of them had this. It had a date here and a date here. Date they were born, date that they had died. And between those two dates was a little tiny dash. The smallest character available is written between these very two very important dates is this small dash. And the question I have for you is, what are you doing with the dash between the dates? Of your life on this earth, listen, we would be lucky to squeeze out 100 years out of this life. It's fleeting, it's a mist, it's a vapor, it's here and then it's gone. We're here and then it's over. But friends, there is an eternity to live beyond this life that when we shut our eyes here on earth, the Bible says when to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And the Bible talks very clearly about where we will spend eternity, either with God or away from God, either with God in heaven, away from God, hell. You Listen, friends, you say, well, a loving God would never send somebody to hell. You're right. God never sent anybody to hell. You want to know what happens? You have to climb over a mountain of God's love and grace and mercy. You have to climb over the cross of Calvary and his blood that was shed, the, the free gift of salvation that was given to each and every one of us. You have to climb over God's love to end up in hell. The fact is, the choice that, they, that we are really making is do we want to give our lives to God and spend time with God here on this earth? so that we'll spend it in eternity, or to simply reject God and his love and his grace and his mercy and his relationship all of our lives, and then we get to heaven, try to get to heaven, and, and he'd be like, well, you never wanted to spend any time, you rejected me on earth, you never want to spend any time, why would you want to spend eternity with me if you don't want to spend your, your temporary with me here on earth? So friends, we all have an assignment in this life, and, and I don't have the same assignment you have, Matter of fact, some of you know this about me, that I am absolutely obsessed with these tiny little grooves in the fingertips. I'm so obsessed with it. I just can't, I mean, if you look at your fingertips, you can barely see them. Like, you know, especially if it's not bright light, you can barely see these. But God loved you so much, valued you so much that he chose to carve grooves into your fingertips that would be different than every other human being that's ever lived or ever will live on planet Earth. Why? Because you have an assignment and what you put your hands to would prosper. You'd make a difference in this world. Your fingerprints would be on this world. Let it be said of you that those fingerprints that you touched people's lives for eternity's sake. He goes on to talk about these problems that he had. And by the way, in the gospels, just be reminded, as I said, this is not heaven, this is still earth. And there are troubles, plenty of them. We don't talk often enough about the suffering of believers, but Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Like there is suffering on this earth. It just, it is what it is. We're not in heaven yet. But he talks about these little troubles, these tiny, little, tiny troubles. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 17. These little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all these troubles seem like nothing. What are these little troubles he's talking about? Well, in second Corinthians 11, he kind of outlines it. And he says this, I was shipwrecked multiple times. 
I was lost out at sea. Little troubles, you know, tiny little ones, you know. Then we had those little things that we all deal with, shipwrecked and then out at sea drifting on a piece of driftwood with sharks all around him. Like, am I gonna live or die? Little troubles like that. He says, I was unlawfully imprisoned multiple times. As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, just know many of the, the New Testament books that you're reading were written from a jail cell where he's like saying, take joy and take courage. It's being written from a jail cell. He says he was beaten three times with rods, talking about like a, with a baseball bat. He was flogged, like, with, like whipped, five times with 39 lashes. Let me, let me tell you something, friends. If I got hit with a baseball bat, I'm like, God, where are you? You know what I'm saying? If I got beat with a whip 39 times, five times over, I'd be like, God. I mean, look, Paul's beaten with, the, with a whip saying, hey, I'm still, I'm, I'm rejoicing that I was counted worthy to be used by God. And we get a hangnail and we're like, God, I don't love you anymore. You know, like what's wrong with you, dude? Get a grip. <laughs> it says he was stoned once. Not talking about some of the ways you're talking about stoned, you know what I'm saying? You know, he's not, not that way. <laughs> I did that like I know how to do that. I've never done that before in my life, I swear. I swear, but I made it look like I did though, didn't I? He was, I'm talking about with rocks, you know what I'm saying, or throwing rocks, anyway, it's a whole nother thing. <laughs> he said, I was starved and freezing, danger on all sides. And these things he considered small problems. Why? Because he had an eternal perspective. And friends, this last, two, this last scripture I'm gonna give you I believe is this direct word from God for some of you today. I mean, this is what this, if anything woke me up in the middle of the night for you, it was this right here that I'm about to read and I'm gonna read them from two different translations. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 4, eight and nine. If you don't know this, maybe you ought to memorize it, maybe you ought to write it in your Bible, write it in the margin, grab a, a three by five card and have it with you, type it into your cell phone, here it is. We often suffer. It's good to start with. We often suffer. But we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. Let me read it in another translation. It says it like this. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. Ever felt that way? Why is this happening to me? God, why? Listen, it's not wrong to ask God why. He may not give you the answer you're looking for. You may not find out till heaven. But let me just tell you this. It's not wrong to ask these questions but when you get to the, to the end of your questioning, you need to say this, like the Apostle Paul said, but we don't give up and quit. God never abandoned us or never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. Just turn to your neighbor and tell him, get back up again. Come on, tell your neighbor right now, get back up again. Friends, we'll never give up. When we get knocked down, we'll get back up again. Can I just tell you this? No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. The Bible never said that you won't have a weapon formed against you. It just says that that weapon that's formed will not prosper. So friends, here's what we gotta do. We gotta put on the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. We gotta put on the armor of God. Get ready for the fight that may come. But let me just tell you this. God will make a way where there seems to be no way and the devil cannot stop what God has ordained. And friends, I'm here to tell you, God has more for you. God's got more in store if you just hold on. These small troubles, these temporary issues, these little troubles, they'll pass away. But we gotta fix our gaze on eternity. So what issue's been holding you back from allowing God to use you? Friends, don't forget God has a purpose and a plan for you. God can still use you, you matter to God. Friends, it's time for you to make a difference in this world. And it starts by humbly acknowledging your need for God and letting Him use you.
Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, in this room, I know that there are world changers. God, there are history makers that are in this place right now and they're waiting to be used by you and whether they feel disqualified or unqualified, God, you have a purpose and a plan and a destiny laid out for them and I speak over that destiny prophetically in Jesus' name that God, no weapon formed against them will be able to prosper. Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're about to do in this place. Lord, in the hearts and lives of people who maybe feel like they're less than or they don't have this or they don't have that, Lord, you've given them all they need for life and godliness, and I pray in Jesus' name that they would put their hands to do things that would prosper for the kingdom of God, that they wouldn't live selfish and self-centered lives, but they would live holy and devoted to you, giving their lives away as a sweet sacrifice, and then truly they will feel a sense of deep fulfillment. And Lord, I pray for those who may not know you today. Maybe they're here for the very first time. They're hearing about the love of Jesus Christ or others in this room that simply need to rededicate their lives to the Lord. Lord, I pray in this room that be that sweet sense of your Holy Spirit's presence that draws us in. Matter of fact, would you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just another moment? There may be some in this room. You'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior of every area. Look, friends, I want you to know I'm not here to judge you. It's not my heart to embarrass you. I simply want to invite you into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who can truly love you and set you free. Some of you, this may be a first-time commitment. Listen, this is an eternal commitment. This says, God, I want to have hope for today, and I want to have hope for eternity. For others of you in the room, there may be sin that's separating you from God. And friends, listen, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the Bible says we need to get back up again. And this may be a rededication, a recommitment to say yes to him once again. So whether it's your first time or you've made this commitment many times over, this may be a rededication for you. I want you to simply do this. I'm gonna invite you to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, include me in this prayer right now. Come on, all over this place if that's you. Yeah, God bless you. Hands going up all over. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, anybody else? Listen, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm just asking you. That's between you and God. This is you today. And you, as you're raising your hand, you're saying, Mark, include me in the prayer. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. Many hands that went up. You can put your hands down. I got one more thing that's just burning on my heart, and that's this. Those of you you need to be used by God for his eternal purpose. And you say, Mark, I just need that, that prayer <clears throat> that reinforces not my belief in myself, but my belief in God that I can be used by him for his purpose. I want you to do this. If that's you, Christians all over this place, I want you to slip up your hand, just acknowledging by the raised hand, God, use me. It, almost like you're raising your hand, say, God, you see my hand. You know I want to be used by you, God. Come on, pe people all over this house raising their hands. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Let me pray over those that just raised your hands to be used by God. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray you would use, God, these simple willing vessels, these clay jars. <laughs> to be used by you and, and the broken areas in our life, they don't keep us from being used by you. It lets the glory shine out. So I pray, let the glory of God shine through your saints today in Jesus' name. And now for those who are making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time or a rededication, would you pray this prayer out loud after me? And I'd like all of us to pray it out loud. If you would simply join me in this prayer, say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you put your hands together and celebrate all over this house? Come on, friends. God did a work in this place today. Man, listen, friends, we're so proud of the commitment that you just made, and I want you to know that this church loves and accepts you, and we want to help you in your journey of faith. Pastor Gunner uh, will be here and, and helping you, but there's so many other leaders in this house that are ready and willing to help you. 
and to pray with you. As a matter of fact, I would just invite those of you that are community group leaders, would you do me a favor? Those, all the community group leaders, would you just stand across the front right now? Would you do that? All the community group leaders that are here, I know some may be serving in other areas, some may be gone today, but those of you that are here, if you're willing to just stand across the front. And in just a few moments, I'm gonna pray a dismissal prayer and release you with a blessing. But I just want these community group leaders to be available. And you look up here at these great people, man. They just wanna pray for you and help you in your journey of faith. They wanna encourage you. If you got something going on, man, you got a physical need, you got a need for healing in your body or a family member that's homesick or whatever, they're willing to pray for you and believe God with you. If you got a financial struggle or uh, emotional or relational need, man, you just need help, they're here to support you in prayer. But what I'd like us to do, if you feel comfortable with this, I'd like all of us to stand up if we could. And um, if you feel comfortable with this, if you don't, that's totally cool. But if you feel comfortable with this, I'd love it. If you could just take the hand of the person beside you as I close out in this blessing, would you do that? And if you don't feel comfortable with that, just say, no, thanks, I'm good, whatever, it's cool. It's all right, it's all good. I'm just trying to make you feel a close-knit connection here in the body of Christ. Let me speak this blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your God that came and rescued you by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And that love that was given to you by God, let, let his love permeate your life. I bless you to be a blessing to your family to your friends, to your coworkers, to your children, to your spouse, to your kids and grandkids and great grandkids. I bless you to be a blessing to this city. I bless you to be a blessing to the family of God here at the dwelling. And I bless you to bless every person that comes through these doors that's broken and hurting. I bless you to be a blessing to your pastors. And I bless you to be a blessing to the name of Jesus Christ. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, we love you. God bless you. And listen, have a Jesus-filled rest of the week. Would you do us a favor, though? Would you just, if these if you're not receiving prayer right here from these guys, and that's, that's okay, at least come down and thank them for their willingness to serve and be used by God to make a difference in this world. God bless you. We love you. Have a great afternoon. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.